I'm Jordan Ferguson. And I'm Kate McKinnon. And you are listening to the Geek Down Podcast. What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another fantastic episode of the Geek Down Podcast. This is the show where two friends sit in front of microphones and try to find the sweet spots where their fandoms intersect. My name is Jordan Ferguson. I am in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, and joining me in the other line, rooting around her desk and with her microphone, it's your girl, Caitlin McKinnon. Hi, everyone. The word of the day is apathy, and the number of the day is five. Good to know. Wow. Friends, this is episode, good lord, I didn't even check. What is it, 247? I don't know. I'm apathetic. For fuck's sake. <laughs> ah, oh my yes. god. It's like, like literally just walking into a light post. It was just like... <laughs> <laughs> it was right uh, there the whole time. The call was within the house. Yes, this is episode 247 of the Geek Down Podcast. If you would like to go back and listen to any of our other 246 episodes, I highly recommend going back to, say, 2018 when we were not recording via Facebook audio. Did that myself the other day. Or a tin can. Much more pleasant experience (laughs) to listen to episodes where we were in the same room together. We may be closer to returning to in-person podcasting than we ever have been before in the last year and a half, friends, but we might talk about that in a moment. Either way, wherever you get your audio content, Spotify, SoundCloud, Google, Apple, Stitcher, what have you, give us a rate, review, like, follow, subscribe, whatever you feel, and henceforth, you will never need to miss another episode of this podcast. You will surely be here when Caitlin and I reunite to in-person podcasting because new episodes will be brought directly to your device on the back of a rainbow main alicorn named Philip by your mans. Chauncey Frasilicus III, Geek Down Internet Elf. You're just going to drop them into your device. All you have to do. You'll just be minding your own business and just be like, whoop. And you know what? Like, props to Chauncey because it is a busy month for him. And he's still getting those episodes to you. I mean, he's celebrating Juneteenth. He's celebrating Pride Month. Super busy time. Yes. Happy Juneteenth, everyone. It's currently Juneteenth as we are recording this. Newly minted federal holiday in America. Long overdue. Yeah, in the United States. Not not here. Just, I know some people think we're the same, but we're not. <laughs> we are I wouldn't not, be yes, opposed. We don't, have a, we don't have a holiday in June, or I think they should make, I think June is a very, like, it's, it's Pride Month. Like, that's what June is really known for, mm-hmm. and I think there should be a holiday around that. Um, but we do have, actually, a new holiday. Do we? Yeah, I'm not, this isn't a setup for a joke. We (laughs) legitimately do. Um, It is in, it's September 30th, I believe. It is the day of uh, reconciliation. Um, I was about to be like, it better be. (laughs) It's like, if we have a new holiday, it better be something to do with that. uh, The day for truth and reconciliation. Um, which, if you don't know, uh, Truth and Reconciliation um, is basically, it's, well, it was part of a process where they were trying to do, it was like a big, um, I almost want to say like research into. It was a commission. Um, it was an inquiry commission. Yes. 
specifically like residential schools was a big part of it, um, how indigenous people had been, you know, treated afterwards and then how to move forward, which we're still having trouble with oh, yeah. because people are horrible. Um, so anyway, so that has now on, I believe, September 30th now is going to be a federal holiday in Canada. Um, and it's sort of, we used to have Remembrance Day. I think mm. this is before my time. I don't remember ever getting it off, but we had M- Remembrance Day. And uh, uh, they got oh, done away with that. So I'm hoping that people will actually take that day to learn more about what's happening and what's going on in Indigenous issues. And same with Juneteenth. I know some people are going to be like, woo, holiday, but I really hope... The, you people in the United States take the time to learn more about Juneteenth and what it stands for. As, as, Twitter, um, as Twitter said, hooray, if the federal government approves a, you know, uh, federal holiday on commemorating the end of slavery, while half of the same body disputes teaching that history <laughs> to yeah. students. Uh, and also some people, I saw another fantastic tweet that, you know, was a screenshot of some racist lamenting this holiday and it's like how racist do you have to be to not want another day off you're that committed to racism that you would rather go to work that's pretty committed <laughs> pretty committed like Chauncey, but not but not to racism to getting you those episodes <laughs> oh my god that's the worst loop back in the history of this podcast <laughs> no i think that's pretty good <laughs> it was pretty pretty accurate friends what do you think about I'm, any I'm, of this what do you think about new holidays juneteenth truth and reconciliation caitlin's subpar loop back game <laughs> get at us <laughs> Twitter.com slash GeekdownPod. That's where the show lives on the social meds. If you would uh, <laughs> like to uh, donate financially to this endeavor so Caitlin can go to uh, improv classes. <laughs> Three bucks. KO-FI. Could you, when we give back, when the world is, I hopefully changed for the better, but back to uh, a, a different t- type of normal where we actually get to interact with people again. Mm. Um I really want to like raise money for me to do an improv uh, <laughs> class and like have an improv show and you can just see how bad. <laughs> Could you imagine me? I get anxious over literally nothing. I had, uh, I, w- I was up all night one night because I was, I was worried about, I was worried about, I wasn't getting enough done. I was, I, I was worried about literally nothing. Yeah. I just, I, you know, I, as soon as I'm on the spot, I, I got nothing. Caitlin was worried about not getting enough done. Meanwhile, I woke up this morning after my first, uh, you know, six plus hours uh, night of sleep in a week and just kind of laid around in bed for half an hour and went, I don't know that I've ever been happier than I am at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> one of us uh... has freed himself of the capitalist myth a little more than the other one. But friends, we're still slaves to it. So yes, ko-fi.com slash geekdownpod. If you would like to support this endeavor financially, we always appreciate it. We discourage it, but we do appreciate it. Nonetheless, Kate. Yes, Jordan. The shot clock continues to be updated here in Canada as things just ratchet towards two vac summer. I don't know how you're looking on your end. Yeah, they said that everyone on like June 28th or something can... If you've already had your first shot, you can apply for a second one. As of June 28th, yes. I made the mistake because I already had an appointment booked for August uh, through the Center for Addiction and Mental Health here in Toronto, uh, which is where I got my first one. They booked me for my second one right away. Um, 
I was not really like, I was like, I was off on Monday when they were supposed to open up, you know, all these accelerated second dose appointments for the Delta hotspots. I woke up that day and I was like, eh, did a similar thing to what I did this morning. I just kind of lounged around for a while and said, I'm so happy. So by the time I thought to try, there were like 50,000 people in front of me and there was nothing. And that's fine. Cam H ended up tweeting later that afternoon that they were, yes, if you got a shot there before May 9th, which was the cutoff they were working with, they're still presently working with, they're rescheduling an order of who got it last time, right? So I got mine at a dedicated pop-up for my postal code um, in early May. I don't know how many people got it in the community like before then. So they say by June, by July 14th, everyone who got a shot at CAMH before May 9th will have their second shot. But Wow. I am, I am still experiencing vaccine FOMO as everyone at major Canadian retailers seems to just be getting second shots no matter what. Like, people who got their first shot far after me are getting their second shots before me, and it's making me feel a ways, frankly. I just want the – I still really want the right people to to get their shot first. Like you, people who work outside of the home, people who live in hotspots, yes. people who work in hotspots. Like that's to me I, – I know someone who mentioned something about their child getting vaccinated. And I was like, fuck your kid. <laughs> You're a bad person. You're a bad person. I mean, I don't really mean that, but like at the same time, I was like, there are still people who are in homes, residences, right. who are in some way really do need that second shot first. Um, and this person was going on about getting their kid, wanting to get their kid, you know, really wish they could get them vaccinated. Then they could go do more stuff. And I was like, you need to take a long, hard look in a mirror and then take a long walk up of a short pier um, or go suck eggs or something, you know. Uh, Twitter.com slash GeekDownPod. Address all of all your takes to Caitlin. <laughs> <laughs> thank, thank God. Thank God we are not more famous because that would just immediately be like Caitlin McKinnon, oh. colon, fuck your kids. Sometimes I have these visions of my, like, future children finding this podcast and being like, Mom talks about dicks a lot. Why do, why do like, Mom I want... do talk about dicks a lot. Why do Mom want so many dicks all the time? Yeah, why was Mom always telling people to fuck out? That's really, that's really rude. Um, yeah, or sometimes I, I'm horrified by the idea of, I don't know what I would get famous for, but for some reason, then they find this podcast and it's like, oh, my career's over now. Yeah, sometimes I think I should just nuke my Twitter now preemptively and just start a new one. <laughs> I've gone back. I've gone back a, like a year. There's nothing much there, but if you went back to like, shit, I think I was on Twitter in like 2010. Like, I'm sure there's something. <laughs> Back there. I, see, thankfully, I don't. I think the worst. I am the worst for like. I used to put up more stuff on Facebook. Nothing ever really controversial. Um, and I think the worst thing I did was, like, I used to have really bad. Well, not really bad. They were like literary quotes. Mm. Uh, and I'd like post literary quotes. And now I'm like, ugh. <laughs> Who was that person? Well, friends, there are some news items out there in the world. The downside to recording on the weekends, as we do sometimes, is we end up dropping an episode as news that we would love to talk about on this show ends up happening. So some of this might be a little outdated, but we just cannot pass some of these no. news items. We are mandated by the terms of agreement that we have with each other to talk about things like this. Story number one, actual news. 
of a sort. I was browsing the Eisner nominations, Ooh. which are the Oscars of comic books. I was browsing those today. Uh, the Eisner Awards are, yes, they're like comics biggest night. They happen at the San Diego Comic-Con, which will be virtual again this year. Um, and I mean, it's not, it does give a shine to certain artists or books or properties. Uh, Monstrous, which we talked about last week, won a bunch of Eisners in its, uh, awesome. in its early years, earlier years. Oh, I see. Okay. I thought you were just telling me. I was like, oh, that's really cool. No, it has. These, these, the 2021 Eisners have not been, uh, given out yet. But because it juggles both, like, the mainstream superhero shit and, like, indie books, the way they organize the nominees are, can be a little odd. There's, like, best ongoing series and best one-shot and best single issue and best archival stuff and best um, representation of, like, European stuff or stuff from Asia. Like, so I just went to the uh, – scroll down to the, you know, the big ones, the writer, artists, pencilers, all that type of stuff. Okay, tell me if you notice a pattern here. Uh, the nominees for Best Writer, we have Ed Brubaker, Matt Fraction, Jonathan Hickman, Jeff Lemire, James Tinian IV, and Chip Zdarsky. Under Best Writer Artist, we have Junji Ito, What What, what? Pascal Jusselin, Trung Le Nguyen, Craig Thompson, Adrian Tomin, and Jean Luen Yang. Under Best Penciler Inker or Ink Penciler Inker Team, we have Michael Allred, Michael, oh, sorry, Marco Cicchetto, uh, George Corona, Bertrand Gatignol, Mitch Gerards, and Sanford Green. Kate, do you notice a pattern in any of these nominees? Are they literally all men? <laughs> as far as I can tell. Damn, son. Oh, man. far as I can tell, um, I believe I do not see. I'm, I'm, I'm open to correction here. Maybe I'm missing something. They're not all white men, so I mean, partial credit. Um. <laughs> I believe until you reach uh, Peach Momoko, who is an artist for our cover artist on like Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Power Rangers and a lot of these uh, boom and IDW uh, licensed comics. That may be the first uh, woman. That's a cover artist where you encounter uh, a woman on the creator side of uh, the Eisners. Now, I don't follow comics closely, but it feels like an entire uh, publishing year, there had to have been maybe one, one woman. Okay, but this is more, this is more to the point. Go off, son. So, and this is happens a lot. So people will say things like, well, there aren't that many women in comics. Well, why aren't there oh, that many women yeah, in comics? Yeah, it's the chicken and egg thing. It's like, well, we can't nominate women because there's no women working in comics. Well, and And there are a lot of women working in comics, but if they're not getting opportunities, and you can go off all you want about, like, oh, well, maybe they're just not as good. We all know that's bullshit. I know Fiona Stables. We, I mean, like we just read, we just talked about a book uh, last week that was, like, produced entirely by women and is... Yeah. Impeccable. It, it's just, it's, it, I mean, we hear it all the time. It's not surprising. It's just disappointing after all this time. You know, it's that idea of going, it's going so far and, and the idea of like, if you stop pushing, this is what happens. Um, so when people are like, we're equal enough and I just want to scream and stab them in the face. Now, in, in the interest of like full disclosure, when you look at like, 
nominations for publications, you do see a little more diversity there. And when you look at best limited series, you find like Far Sector, which is written by uh, the sci-fi writer N.K. Jemisin, um, the A Black Widow book by Kelly Thompson, and especially when you move into like the all ages younger readers type stuff, there's a lot more uh, representation of women in those categories, but just like when you're talking about these heavy, like best writer, best artist categories, and it's all dudes. So many dudes, all the dudes. That's that is, as we say around here, R U F F. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a marathon, not a sprint. The marathon continues. Shouts to Nipsey. Uh, but sometimes you got to get tired. You want to take a break. You want to some water. Marath- yeah, marathons are also long and they're tiring. And you just, sometimes you just want them to be over. Anyway. Yeah. I'll keep an eye on that. And uh, I hope Junji Ito wins. It's basically my takeaway from the Isers. Uh, another story <laughs> that is not really a story. It was just something that delighted me. Caitlin, we talked last week about how uh, anecdotally I've now noticed something that I think most people in the know already knew, which is just manga is a behemoth of a seller. In publishing. Yes. So what happens when manga is such a powerhouse seller, it means, uh, you know, more stuff gets published. There's more, of, there's more of a long tail there for manga than there used to be. It's not just Haikyuu. Right. It's not just Demon Slayer. You can go a little, you can go down some weird paths. Sometimes that yields delightful results. Something like My Brother's Husband, which we talked about years ago. A just mm-hmm. gloriously charming book by Gengoro Tagami about a man whose brother had passed away and his Canadian, his brother's Canadian husband comes to visit him in Japan and dealing with his daughter, explaining that to his daughter and just the sweetest book in the world. Happy pride month. Everybody read that book. It's fantastic. But sometimes you go down stranger paths now because, uh, at major Canadian retailer, we are out of lockdown again and staff are returning a close colleague of mine. The most consistent man in the world came back to work for his first shift and we were processing the delivery on in the early morning and he opened his first box on his first shift and said to me, I think it's Weird Manga Day. And I said, oh, because we live for weird manga. Traditionally, weird <laughs> manga are like isekai novels, and the, the more absurd, the better, you know? Right. Reincarnated as a vending machine, I now wander the apocalypse, you know, like that type of shit. That's what, <laughs> that's what we live for. And that's not even, it's, it's not even a joke. That's not, that's not a real thing, but it's not that far from, an, from actual titles that you can find. Um Caitlin, he hands me this book, and when I say, you can go on Twitter, you can go on the show Twitter, at GeekdownPod, I posted it, you can see it for yourself, when I say to you, I cannot oversell how much delight the staff of Major Canadian Retailer had when we discovered the existence of Dick Fight Island. Oh my god. Oh, I'm, I am delighted. Dick Fight Island, y'all. Not to, like, you know, play to my strengths like we just talked about, but yes. <laughs> so, uh, this is a homoerotic book about a bunch of dudes who end up on an island, and the goal is to uh, be the last one to ejaculate. God, yes. As far as I can glean from the title and the description, from when I flip through it, because you know I unwrapped one. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> And it started out, and on the cover, you know, they get around this by um, armoring their genitals. Oh, my. Oh, my God. Did you Google it? Oh, or? my God. Yeah, I did. <laughs> so, friends, I can't encourage y'all to Google, oh. to Google Dick Fight Island. I don't even want to know what Caitlin's looking at right now. Probably the greatest hits, can, but. 
can someone please tell me like can someone please find me a cosplay of this oh i just so yeah wow. i just really wanted to share with y'all that dick fight island exists and also i now use it as a uh exclamation of disapproval when something bad happens at work I screwed, I screwed something up the other day, and just to make my coworkers laugh, I went, Dick Fight Island. <laughs> uh, oh, I, I, this is, oh. Well, Kate, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Happy to Thank have, you so much. Happy to have brought you Dick Fight Island. Turns out that perhaps a homoerotic boys love manga is maybe the Lane Caitlin needed to go down. She never no. knew she needed. It, it isn't. It's it's the outfits. Ah. It's the glorious, glorious outfit, and I cannot wait to share these with literally every person I know, except for maybe my parents. It was uh, as I was flipping through the first volume that we got, and I also thought we sold one. I came back a couple days later and happened to be walking by the section. You were and so excited, and only saw two. I was like, "Oh my god, did we sell a copy of Dick Fight Island?" No, it's either misplaced or more likely stolen. Um, but when I was flipping, yeah. when I opened one, I'd steal it. I would absolutely <laughs> steal it. I would a single hesitation. When I was opening the book and flipping through it, I initially was like, "Well, this is all relatively." tame yes it's absurd but it's pretty tame and then i got to like you know these things always accelerate right the further you go in to the mm, the friend of the title <laughs> uh, good. into the page count uh the more wild it's gonna get and yeah it was when i flipped open to like a a full page pinup of um to quote jesus and Merrill from the back from the back i was like oh this is how we're getting down on a, on a tuesday morning okay dick fight oh, island man. So, yeah, that's already far too much talk about Dick Fight Island, but I just want y'all to know it exists. And shouts to, I believe it's Yen Press, who had the audacity to publish that. I am. This is. Go go ahead, y'all. It takes all kinds. Friends, you're wondering if we're going to talk about it. It's It's somewhat old news at this point. Most of you have probably already seen it, but I can't go through my life without talking about the revelation earlier this week. That it is canon in the eyes of DC Comics that Batman does not give oral. If you are new to this story, you are likely very confused by everything I just said. In an article with the creators of the Harley Quinn cartoon in Variety, co-creator Justin Halperin told uh, the interviewer that DC blocked the inclusion of a scene from the upcoming third season of the show where Batman was going to perform oral sex on Catwoman. Um, that's odd enough, but what really had Twitter going the fuck off was when Halperin explained the reasoning or the rationale <laughs> for it. Quote, in this third season of Harley, we had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman, Halperin said, and DC was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. They're like, quote, heroes don't do that. <laughs> Continued Halperin. So we said, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? They were like, no, it's that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is also going down on someone. I think that ups the value of the toys personally. Twitter went the fuck off about this. Rightly so. I came to this late on Monday or Tuesday or wherever it was. Um... So I had no idea what was going off. I just saw a tweet uh, of Chip Zdarsky saying, yes, I've seen the discourse. Please, for the safety of my family, do not at me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> some some be- some of the uh, better 
takes out there. Why would Batman's whole bottom face be open if he didn't do oral? Ridiculous. Quote, Red Hood does what Batman can't has a whole different meaning now. Also, the classic was when somebody went through, took pictures of every cinematic Batman and was like, if he does or doesn't. <laughs> uh, Batfleck with the caption, like it's his job, <laughs> was my favorite, <laughs> was most people's favorite. And Zack Snyder, director of uh, the Justice League movie, posted, <laughs> where did he get this picture, Caitlin? Someone, someone was like, a, did someone draw this? Or <laughs> Imagine you're an artist and Zack Snyder hits you up for that commission. Did he commission it? I, I, I don't, I, he must have. So it's a picture of the act that DC Batman said Batman doesn't do. And Zack Snyder just tweeted it with the word canon on it. <laughs> My God, who, it looks like Lee Bermejo or Michael Lark. I can't tell who did this, but. I like to think that it existed already. <laughs> Or, or like some artist I mean, drew it for his own reasons, and Snyder, Snyder ganked it for for the larfs. But I, I don't know. I, so yes, the takeaway is that heroes do not perform oral sex. And no, the takeaway is that that's stupid. <laughs> that was the second takeaway, Caitlin. Both both things can be true. Huh. Just what a what a wonderful moment in. In nerd discourse this week, and if there I was ever a story, if, if there was ever a story just like made for the Geek Down podcast, <laughs> I really feel like the debate—the right? debate over whether Batman goes down—is is probably uh, probably the most Geek Down thing you can possibly talk about. But we're not going to talk about it anymore. Y'all can make your own decisions. There's a right answer. Be on the right side of history on this one, listeners. Seriously. <laughs> Kate. Yeah. Do you have any updates for this week? Yes. Yes. So. D- Caitlin? Uh, yeah. If it's David Suchet, I'm canceling this podcast. <laughs> it's not. It, it's actually not. This week, there was no Poirot. What? <laughs> yeah, I know. I actually had a moment where I was like, oh, sorry, Poirot. <laughs> well, what the hell were we watching instead of Poirot? Um, so, uh... I've obviously Loki, which we will save to the end. Yes. Um, uh, so that, um, the bad batch, um, we finished watching the second season of the, again, very childish, very kitty, um, free maker adventures. Um, it's one of the Lego star Wars little shows that they do. Um, but still like well-written for a kid show, which is a lot of fun. We sort of like in the background where, while we're also being children and making Lego spaceships, <laughs> um, there was a lot of Mass Effect. Um, there was a lot of Taskmaster. Uh, Taskmaster. Do you know what Taskmaster? Okay, so Taskmaster is a British show. It's a British panel show, basically. Mm. Um, I think I've explained British panel uh, shows before, but just to be really quick about it. Um, so in Britain, they don't have as many, I would say, game shows. Mm-hmm. There are a couple. Most of them are like in the world of like Jeopardy and and Wheel of Fortune, like game shows for old people. They don't have a lot of like family feud type things. Mm-hmm. And what they do have a lot of is comedians 
on these panel shows. So, and they're very silly and they're, there's like, you don't win anything, right? There are no stakes. Um, and what's nice about that is that a comedians tend to be more entertaining and funnier than just regular people. And two, you kind of get to see your favorite comedians and sometimes actors interact with each other and do funny things. Um, so there is um, a lot of these shows. Um, uh, Never mind the Buzzcocks, uh, 8 out of 10 Cats, 8 out of 10 Cats does Countdown. Countdown is one of those like Jeopardy-esque shows. Um, so there's quite a few of these. Um, Taskmaster, it's been around for years at this point, but it's basically a show where they get comedians, um, they, they tape them doing tasks. Um, so it's uh, five comedians, and they all have these insane tasks to do. So it's like, get the water from this bucket to that bucket, like, you know, uh, five feet away. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you cannot move the buckets. Right. And sometimes there's sort of like a tricky way to do this. Like in that case, say they didn't say you couldn't, they give you a pile of stuff to use, but they actually don't say you have to use that stuff. So if you like find a cup, you could just use that. But often you're so panicked because you have a very short amount of time to do this, that they just like do something ridiculous. Uh, it'll be like, so there's a, a guy who's sort of the assistant on the show. Um, and he, um, helps them sort of with the task or helps like talks to them about the tasks or is around when they do them. And it'll be like, his name's Alex. And they'll be like, hide for the longest you can from like play hide and seek with Alex and hide for the longest possible time. Right. So anyway, so the show is they're in the studio and the taskmaster who is a really well-known comedian in Britain. Uh, he goes through these videos and then like rates them and says like who did the task best mm. so you have the f the funniness of them doing this task and being like just having these outrageous like ideas about how to complete these tasks and also the in-studio funniness of watching them do it and commenting on it um and it's really really funny really really good um you don't need to know who these comedians are um and everything's up on youtube right now and i don't know if they did it just to help people through the pandemic or what but i am definitely um really enjoying it um and it just it's silliness and fun and there are no stakes like i said which is my favorite type of television show um and finally when i'm not watching taskmaster mm -hmm. um i am playing this game called don't starve alone I don't know if don't you starve alone. I'm unfamiliar. So there was a game. There was a game that I guess was called don't starve. This was brought to me like every other Monday. I have a game night with my housemates and two of our friends who are in Toronto right now. And we play all kinds of different things. Sometimes it's just like uh, those Jack and Jackbox games. Um, sometimes it's like a, code names but online version that kind of thing say, these, this are, case, these are all, they, these are all online all online all online games i've been doing this for months and months now so and uh last week um they brought or last monday i should say they brought <clears throat> uh this game called uh don't starve alone which is there was a game called don't starve i guess they made a group version for people and the art looks like um 
Tim Burton and Edward Gorey got together and had a baby. <laughs> um, so, you know, just straight up my alley. Yeah. Um, and the, 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 the game is like, it's like a little, it's almost like a farming game, but there are stakes and there are scary things in the night and you have to, you know, collect food and not starve and you can make things like an umbrella to sort of uh, keep you away from the rain. And there are all these different types of monsters in the world and you have to work to live for as long as possible. And I kind of got possibly addicted to it. Um, and as, as, as happens with me, I'll get super, super addicted to something for a couple of days and then I'll be like, okay. Like it's like a candle burning at both ends. I'm just like, blah. <laughs> like all I want to do is play that game for hours and hours on end. And then like, now I'm okay. Um, but yeah, it was, it's actually a ton of fun. You can play it alone, which of course I've done most of, um, but it was definitely fun with more people. So I am excited for the next time we play. Um, and yeah. Oh, and Mass Effect. And there's been some Mass Effect in there too. So You're... yeah. So that's why there's been no David Suchet. And no, no paro. Keep that same energy. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, David Suchet would like to have a word and or a couple. And you know what those words are, mm, Jordan? Mm. <laughs> fuck yourself. The words are, go fuck yourself. Yeah. Listen. But, you know, said. Because, them. because Caitlin does not uh, go back and listen to episodes after the fact. She does not know that the last time she brought up David Suchet, I found a clip of him on This Morning. Uh commenting on Poirot's walk or run and a trick yeah. he had heard from, uh, I don't even remember, Lawrence Olivier perhaps. And I pulled the phrase stuck a penny between the cheeks of his backside <laughs> and through that. Doesn't he have the most beautifully British eloquence? The only videos you can find of David Suchet are him talking about Poirot or reading the Bible. Those are literally the only things on yeah. YouTube about David Suchet. <laughs> Well, there's all. He was also. Stop. He's been We're not talking about living. David Suchet anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I already just talked about David Suchet more than more than I wanted to happen on this well, podcast. That's the quote. Of, that's the like the 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 high mark of the episode, right? It's just like that amount of David Suchet. No further. No. No further. I'll what? just try and like weave him into the conversation. <laughs> as well. God. What have I been getting into? Not much. Working too much. Haven't seen someone cute in like two weeks. Dating is hard as an adult, y'all. Yes, it's sad. So, continuing just my strain of coming home, working all day, coming home and watching, uh, you know, context-free SNL clips. They're the new Vine compilation. Um, They're amazing. I had a doctor's appointment earlier this week. Everything's fine, y'all. Thank you. Um, But I ended up waiting for, like, an hour and a half to see the doctor. So, I ended up, uh, I'm not done it yet, but we will recall I was reading Breasts and Eggs by Mako Kawakami. Uh, I'm almost done now. Uh, still continues to have interesting things to say about family and child rearing and women's roles, especially in Japanese society, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I will be curious what it ultimately has to say by the end of it. Um, it's kind of playing back and forth with, uh, you know, basically should women have children type of thing, or is that like the only role a woman can have type of thing? Um, I'll be curious to see what the take is by the end of the, by the end of the book, but still a great read, big, Big chonker of a read, making me feel all accomplished because I'm finishing it. Um, Wonder Egg Priority, the anime I spoke about last week, still continuing on. It's taken a weird sort of, the story is kind of altering two-thirds through, and I don't know that it has, this might be the reason why they needed an extra episode, hour-long episode to finish the story. And it's like, well, maybe you didn't need to veer 
in this direction as hard as you are. Um, yeah, it's odd. Um, still enjoying it though. Still gorgeous. Uh, I read all of the hoopla available monstrous. I just kept on going through that. Oh, and what's the verdict? It's still go back and listen to last week's episode. Everything you say about monstrous is still monstrous. There's just a big ass war. It's just a big ass war. And you basically see what happened in Constantine finally. Um, and what that looked like. And it was fucking wild, y'all. Um, although, small spoiler, Tui and Micah still have not crossed paths. So, ah. the longer that goes, the wilder I think it's going to be. <laughs> Woof. <laughs> Woof, y'all. Um, and also, there was a crew of, like, uh, Lilium-induced, like, pregnancies. They called them the nuns. And again, like like we said last week, every right. time somebody talks off camera and you turn the page and you see new characters, it's just dope. So when these like white skinned, white haired crew of lady warriors show up, you're like, yes, San Takeda, here, just have all the money. Have all the money to draw everything forever. <laughs> um, so that's dope. Also, I've greatly been enjoying lately. Um, I have not seen the show that this collaboration is rooted in, but the uh, D4DJ game, uh, <laughs> waifu tappy tap game. Is having a collab yep. with anime manga show, the uh, Quintessential Quintuplets, which is just a dumb harem anime, um, about a guy who has to tutor these quintuplets. Um, God. I, it's, apparently it's super popular over there. I don't know. Um, but it's, it's basically their version of a raid dungeon. <laughs> Where just you work with other players to, like, clear songs to, like, encourage the quintuplets to study for their test type of thing. So dumb. But it's a great so it's a great way to grind for materials. And I said the other week, the resource grind on this was getting a little dicey. So we are just going ham on this event so we can uh, max out all our four-star characters. And lastly, episode two of Loki. There were things I liked. There were things I didn't like as much as the first episode. But Kate, how are you feeling? Uh, good. Better. I was. I kind of was curious where the story was going. And now I see a little bit more clearly. And I am really surprised, happy, um, entertained by Owen Wilson's character, Mobius. Um, That dude loves jet skis, y'all. Yeah, I just, there's just this quirkiness about the show that I really like. And I I think he's done a really good job of being this interesting character in this very bizarre world. Um, That's still like very down to earth. Like it's an anchor, I think, for the show. Um, and yeah, I, I, I do really like his character. I'm, I'm also curious. There are a lot, you know, a lot of mysteries, which I like about what they, when they do that with TV shows. Um, and I can't see exactly which direction they're going to go, which is always nice. Um, I like being surprised. Uh, so yeah, I, it was good. Um, I am avoiding like the plague, any type of, talk about anything man i went i made one google search just to be like is that a thing from the comics and that's literally all i did and just the barrage Idiot. of youtube links and we need to talk about lady loki and lady loki explained and blah 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 and i was like oh my god hit the eject button and all of you <laughs> all of you knock it the fuck off like you could be talking about whether or not Batman goes down right now. It's a much better use of your time if you want to talk about nerd shit than making 25-minute videos about Easter eggs in episode 2 of Loki or explaining who Lady Loki is. 
Yeah. Lady Loki from the comics ain't going to be Lady Loki from this show anyway. So. No. And I don't even think it is Lady Loki. Well, yes, because that's, that's, the deep, that's the deep dive I got that I didn't even want when somebody at work was like, yes, apparently in foreign markets, she was called something else, which is, which is what the Enchantress is called. And I was like, ah, stop. I, yeah. don't, I don't care. <laughs> anyway, no takes. Just keep the takes. Keep the takes at bay. Uh, greatly Just enjoyed the, the episode. takes inside. <laughs> like, like, like we keep it like a Japanese roller coaster during a pandemic. Just keep keep your takes in your heart. Don't keep, yeah. keep your joy inside. Keep your takes inside. Be like the Scottish. Just bury your feelings <laughs> under layers and layers of boiled food. Oh my god! Felt like it dragged a little bit this episode. A lot of chattiness, which I mean, fine. Um, but I really liked all that. I thought that all that was was fun. Once, I'm not, you know, if I want action, I'll just watch a Marvel movie. <laughs> Once, once stuff got, you know, popping off a little bit in the last, uh, you know, 20 minutes or so, I was like, okay, this is, this is good. Um, and the jet ski scene was fantastic, but there was still like a lot of talking and yammering. And then I was like, okay. Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's only, this one's only six episodes, I think. So, I mean, it's, we have officially concluded the first act. So yeah, get it light and tight, get it moving. Speaking of light and tight, um, we may have already blown that, but uh, friends, we're going to take a break right here. And when we come back, we are going to revisit what I believe is the first perfect 10 the Geek Down podcast ever bestowed on anything. God, was it that early on? It was that early on, y'all. All aboard. We're hopping back on the Iron Fortress, y'all. We'll get into that when we come back from this break. Welcome back to the show. This is the half of the show where we talk about the things we brought each other. And this week, because it's opportune June, well, this month, because it's opportune June, we're going to talk about a thing we brought each other before and we're bringing each other back so we can look at it again. Yeah. Same but different. Right? right? Hmm? Huh? Huh? (laughs) Okay, that's right. Yeah. Um, There are rules, but they don't really apply. But just, you know. For the sake of it, it's the rule of three, which is the rule that we will, the thing comes in parts, we will take a look or watch of three of them. So the thing gets a chance to become the thing it is trying to become. The second rule is hashtag save it for the pod, where we will not talk about the things until we are sitting in front of these microphones. Listen, we talk about <laughs> takes a lot and how much yeah. we dislike takes. But it's not that we dislike yeah. takes or we disapprove of takes. We just value them so much that we want you to have the freshest, fluffiest, piping hottest takes. So we don't talk about anything regarding the thing we watched until we are sitting in front of these microphones. Yeah. I mean, occasionally Jordan breaks the rules, but... If Caitlin has brought me something that. insane, what's up, Equinox? <laughs> like... Don't think I forgot, um, it. Don't think I forgot about <laughs> Equinox, y'all. Jesus. And then the final rule which isn't a rule it's just that there's uh, this policy is that there will be spoilers there will be um because we don't really care about spoilers unless it is an in a really intrinsic part of the thing we've watched and even then we just basically tell you that we're going to talk about it and that you should leave now goodbye 
Similar to Monstrous, where this is an item that we talked about long, long ago, this is something we spoke about on episode 17, y'all. Oh my god. 17. Over 200 episodes ago, we spoke about this thing, and we loved this thing. Yeah. As I said before the break, it was, I believe, the first, probably mutual, as much as I'm like, I don't give out tens. Um... Nothing's perfect. I think we both were like, yeah, this is just fucking tent. Like, the first three episodes of this television show were, like, just incredible. I still maintain it's one of the best anime pilots I've ever seen in my life. Um, I actually want to, mm-hmm. you know what? I actually kind of want to go back and re- rewatch it after this because it's just that good. I did rewatch it. Did you? You will have interesting context then. Well, let's get into it. Friends, what the hell are we talking about? We are talking about a return to Cabinary of the Iron Fortress. What the hell is that? It was a Japanese anime television series by Wit Studio. It was broadcast for 12 episodes on the fantastic Noidamina block on Fuji TV from April to June 2016. What we are talking about is a theatrical film set six months after the anime series titled The Battle for of Unado which premiered in May 2019, which Netflix did things to, Uh, we will talk about in a moment. (laughs) What is the general plot here? A mysterious virus appears during the Industrial Revolution that transforms infected humans into Kabane and rapidly spreads. Kabane are aggressive undead creatures that cannot be defeated unless the glowing golden heart, which is protected by a layer of iron, is pierced or an important body part completely severed, such as the head. Uh... A young engineer named Akoma is infected by the Kabane, but manages to resist the virus and become a Cabaneri, a human-Kabane hybrid. Assisted by Mume, another Cabaneri who appears to help them, Akoma and other survivors of the station of Aragane, board a basically steam train called the Kojetso, the Iron Fortress, and depart to seek shelter elsewhere, fighting the hordes of Kabane along the way. Y'all, it's steam trains and zombie apocalypse, set in the 1800s. Yeah. Yeah, boy. So when this dropped in 2016, we were like all the way fucking in and we stayed yeah. that way. Did you watch all of it initially? Or I did. did you follow? And, okay. and, and I rewatched it. The whole thing? Yeah. The whole series? Yeah. Y'all, Caitlin is fucking prepared. She's going to fill in some details for me <laughs> For me then. Um, <laughs> so what we have here, I remember when this happened, when I randomly discovered it on uh, Netflix, like it just came up, that there was new Cabinary just sitting on Netflix. And I was like, what the hell? They, they, Netflix put the movie on. But Netflix took the movie, and I assume there is some sort of streaming stat chicanery here to explain why they did this. What did they do, Kate? They split it into three. Is that what you're talking about? Yes, like a television show when it's not. Yeah, and that was dumb. Okay, I'm, well now I know because I was like, so you said movie. I had watched this the full series again. I was like, okay, here I am for this movie. Put movie on. Movie stops. <laughs> I was like, wait a second, what? And then movie plays second episode. And I was like, movies don't do that. They don't have episodes. <laughs> no. Nope. Um, so this they split it into three. Um, it. I mean, it was fine because I watched it all together anyway, mm-hmm. um, and I used the intro as, like, 
you know, a pee break, like popcorn, <laughs> yes. um, which is fine, but I can also, it's streaming, so I can also, you know, pause it <laughs> to do any of those things. Um, it, so we, we don't know exactly why they did that. I thought maybe this was a thing that happened in Japan that, like, often movies are split, and I was like, maybe I just didn't know, because usually, if it's a movie, it's a movie. No, as far as I know, yeah, this was originally just like a 90-minute movie that for some reason Netflix into split into episodes and like shoehorned. It's like the credit sequence from the TV show, but they took out like the villain from the TV show. Yeah. So you wouldn't be like, huh, who's that guy? Um, yeah, I just thought it was it was odd. So I guess coming from me, someone who did not re- get a chance to rewatch uh, the entire show, good Lord, yeah, good, good for you. Those 12 episodes you. you powered down this week. Um, yeah, that's another reason why there was no Paro. <laughs> um, I obviously I enjoyed being back there. The plot is generally so. The plot is basically after the events of the show. Um, there was no like resolution. It's not like you know the Kabani are cured. Like it was not that. It was just yeah. like well, over that hump, keep it moving on to the next place. And they go to the next place, but also there's no um, centralized authority in the country on the Island anymore. So there are all these kind of like military factions and they're trying to reclaim this area called Unado, which has a you know giant castle on the top of it. And it's blocking off. It's a, it's a transportation hub kind of like a lot of places mm-hmm. end up there. And basically the, the iron fortress is trying to get back to its home station and they have to go through Unado to get there. Um, and they are working with these other military factions to try and clear out enough Kabani to reclaim the area to go through, but something is awry because someone seems to be someone or something seems to be controlling for the zombies um, and airing a light air of mystery to it. Um, For my watching, when I went back into it, it was like, Oh, obviously here we go again. (laughs) Obviously it's a coma. You're one of them. You're controlling them. Lock him up. I was like, I feel like that happened like 15 times during the show. Tell me if it did. I feel like it did. I feel like that was the plot to every episode of the show. It wasn't every episode, but it was so often that I was like, really, this has become a crunch. (laughs) This again? And also, it just kind of suffered from that. You may not have noticed this because you refreshed from a rewatch, but I mean, coming back to it cold, there wasn't as much of who are these people as I was expecting. I remembered everybody. Um, Right. But a lot of people did not get much of a chance to do anything. Um, Yeah. Although the most important person got the chance to do the most important thing. (laughs) <laughs> which we'll talk about in a moment later on, I'm sure. But we, we know exactly <laughs> what we're talking about, too. Um, yeah, I thought the supporting characters did not get a chance to do much. I thought the villain was kind of undercooked. Um, but that said, I still thought the ending, like the last episode quotes, like the last third of the movie, I was yeah. here, here for all of it. I was like, yes, this is what this is what I come to this for. It's just fucking balls out nonstop action, swarms of zombies. People getting eaten, you know, bad people getting eaten. Um, fucking Mume. <laughs> so, I, I missed her, man. Fight did her. I? So I, I have not talked about, uh, I'm sorry. I have not listened to our previous episode about Cabinary. I did not get a, I did not get a chance to either, but okay. I can probably remember. I don't know if you recall this. Did I talk about the excessive boobs on Mume? <laughs> I don't know if you did or not. Seems like you would have, but... It, because I they, like they, they were so excessive. They were that so, they're so excessive that I get uncomfortable watching mm. it, and I have boobs. 
And like, I'm like, oh no, uh, to the point where like, it totally takes away from the story. Even while I was rewatching it, like, I feel like maybe the, the series wasn't as quite as bad as this movie. There were a lot of poses that were very like, there were a couple of weird, I did notice, I did fly a couple of weird camera angles, but I think you're talking about in like, just in her like sweater knitting girl talk scenes or like when she's actually like fighting and shit. When she's fighting and like, like that she doesn't have any support for her boobs and mm. they like come out too much and it's, it's very weird. Things a woman will notice that a man never will. I was just like, look and, at her, and, look at her spin that shotgun. I was like so enthralled with all that, that I didn't even notice that. And that was really cool. But again, like the weird boobs and weird positions and the way, I mean, all anime does this, but the like, the, it's not a grunt. It's like. A porn moan like Hasht- that's gotta stop hashtag not please all, make that hashtag not all anime <laughs> please make that all anime i don't think i've ever encountered one <laughs> anime where they don't scream and it sounds like they're in a porno um so yeah so that that besides that though there so there's really only that and the fact that i can never get over the main character having um swamp colored hair <laughs> like i i don't under i what was that okay decision speaking of his hair there's one thing i have to i have to establish yeah having watched the entire series again did he have a haircut at the end of the series yes and then at the very beginning <laughs> of the film the haircut is He's there haircut. and then yeah. later it's it gone. goes away yeah Honestly, that, I was like, why would you do that that probably pissed me off more than anything else because i couldn't place in that time was- when this was happening <laughs> It was very frustrating. And like... Weird decision. It was a very weird decision. Another weird decision... I See, I was kind of delighted about it, but I also found it was weirdly placed, was them doing the fan dance at the end. I loved that so much. I was just like, what is going on? I just thought that was like such a zero fucks, like, you know what? Hey, it's the end of the movie. Let's have all the characters do a fan dance <laughs> apropos yeah. of nothing. I was like, yes, let's. Let's do that. <laughs> It actually, yeah, it, it actually, just, re- like, it reminded me of a movie I'll probably give to you, Cinematic September this year. Have you ever seen Beat Takeshi's Zatoichi movie, The Blind Samurai? No. I feel no. like there was a sim- similar apropos of nothing dance number in that movie that delighted me. So I, I think it reminded me of that, that I was just like, yes, oh. dance number. Go ahead. I, it wasn't, there wasn't, I wasn't like mad at it. I was just like, what's going on here? Um, so yeah, I just there were there were like bits and pieces that I was frustrated with. The show overall was fantastic. I liked the character growth. Um the movie had a very small amount of that as far as like the main two main characters mm. kind of in a way confessing their feelings for each other. Um which is fine. I marked out um, I marked out when Mume kissed him. I'm not going to lie. I thought that was it's a bit of a hard juggle when on the one hand she's like the baddest ass on the planet, but then she turns into like a you know, bachelor school girl Sundere type around him. Right. But I still thought when she like fibbed about the pattern in the stone move so she could distract him to kiss Just so she could, Yeah. I thought that was cute. I'm not going to lie. It was very cute. It was extremely cute. Um, and yeah, I just, I just like these characters. I like being around these characters. I really wish more people knew about the series, watched the series, liked the series. They did more of the series. Um, so I think we're coming at it from two different – I think what's good about this conversation is we're coming at it from two different perspectives because I'm coming at it as, like, just what it is itself, and you're coming at it as, like, an epilogue to the entire thing because yeah. I'm coming at it, and I'm like, 
a lot of a lot of it felt jarring. The pacing felt weird. I was like, everybody's getting short shrift. But you're seeing it as. But how do you feel about it? You probably think it overall was better than I did because you watched it as like part of the whole. Pos- yeah, po- possibly. Like it just it was. Yeah, absolutely. It was part of like this continuation. So, and and what I did like is that they like he talks about losing his best friend mm. as opposed to like losing a character and it never being brought up ever right. again. Like he, f- like they talk about the people who they've lost. And I think that was actually different than a lot of anime I've watched. Um, and you got the, li- you, you got, got the like little, flashback fl- yeah, you got the little flashback where he, uh, where Takumi is the, f- his friend that died in the show. Um, yeah. Kind of mentions his take on, you know, the zombies and, and, the pain or hate or whatever he sees in their eyes yeah. and and possibly, you know, that they have feelings or emotions and that, you know, provides the key to the villain in the story, which was, I mean, it was only 90 minutes. There's not a whole lot of development you can do there, but I mean, I guess it was okay. It just felt, it just felt like a long episode. It didn't feel like yeah. a movie. Well, part of that was, I was going to talk about this and I'm glad you mentioned the splitting into three thing. That first episode, I was like, there have been like five beginnings of this <laughs> Of this movie. I don't understand what was the beginning because there was like an intro and then there was a Mume Ikaro. Is that it? Ikoma. Ikoma, sorry. Ikoma beginning. And then there was seemed to be like another beginning, which involved the like lord of that castle and his daughter. And then... There was like something else, and then there was like the intro, the usual intro, and there's like this other beginning. I was like, "What is going on? Why are there so many? Pick one, just pick one." I feel like you were at the table and couldn't decide, so just put them all in. <laughs> um, the story was pretty messy. Um, it was okay, uh, but I think you brought up a good point in that it really just comes down to like the characters, pretty much across the board, are so strong, like. To when you got to that, you know, the the conflict was over and you're getting your last, you know, 15 minutes or whatever. And a lot of people get, like, a brief moment. Whether it was, like, Mume and Akoma kissing for the first time. And then Mume's friend watching and being super happy for them. You had the, um, you know, the governess. I don't know what to call her. But, like, she kind of owns the train type of thing. And her lieutenant. And she's kind of flirting with him. And he's all embarrassed. And that's cute. You have mm-hmm. the fucking queen... Yukina, never get it fucking twisted. I was like, if this movie does not end without oh. her whipping her jacket off her and jack- working the like, fucking delts, I marked out Caitlyn like it was The Undertaker at WrestleMania. I'm not even lying. I was I was the same, the exact same. I kept on telling senior correspondent Chris that he couldn't leave because I was like, it's going to happen. It's, it's going to happen. It's coming. And it just like, it wasn't happening. And I was like, God damn it. And in the TV show, it's better because it you didn't better. even get to see her flex her full fucking muscles and i was like oh i was like slightly disappointed but i'm really glad she still took the jacket off and like you got to see her huge biceps (laughs) there there was an iconic moment there was an iconic moment in the show where she had to like pull a lever on the train and it's this fucking she's not large really she's just defined and just like to see a woman in this position just with the freaking ripped just get the full delt extension when she pulled that lever obviously they had to bring it back for the movie and they did and it was fucking amazing and i marked out Oh, they brought it. They were. It was in a ton of episodes. Was it? 
Like, oh yeah. And like every time it happened, I was like, yes! I was like so fucking excited. <laughs> Anytime she had to like pull the brakes or pull some other like important lever, I was, oh, it was so good. Yeah. Gonna, where's my suit? Check on YouTube first. <laughs> hey Google, play Supercut of Yukina pulling levers on YouTube. So, I mean, we're probably going to have different punch kick ratings for this because for me, it was. <laughs> Plot-wise, it was kind of like a 7, but just, like, being back with all of them was, like, a 9. Like, I was just so delighted to see them and to watch dope-ass fight scenes in the at the end during the climax and just, like, the vibe. I just I just want I just want to hang on the train, Kate. I just want to hang on the train. Yeah. Um, Where's my cabinary lower I... deck show? <laughs> it's all one deck. It's everyone. It's everyone. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's an 8. It's an eight. For okay, me, fair. I just like the the beginning was a really like stop go, um, and it didn't seem to be for any reason. Um, the plot was it was fine. It it wasn't bad. It's not like some shows. Like it's not like you know the the soul inside the crystal that's in our heart's mind <laughs> needs to I don't know have this elixir, but it doesn't work. Oh God! And now you're super. I don't know. And everyone turns into beams of light. I, it's at least not that. Um, there's, you know, a tiny bit of that. And I think sometimes that has to do with translation. Mm. Um, but by and large, it was, you know, it was understandable. Oh, and really high, like maybe 8.5 because of those fight scenes. Oh, just so good. Really good, y'all. <laughs> really, the really last, good. And the, like, Mume versus the villain. Show too. Mume versus the villain yeah. at the end. I was like, this is just oh. fucking top shelf. Like, all of this is yeah. amazing. It was really, really good. Um, or like, <laughs> also shout out to the like American dude who speaks like really accented like, half English <gasps> Japanese. <laughs> Senior correspondent asked me to turn it back because he's like, what did he say? I was like, oh yeah. And then he was like, awesome. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that dude till he turned up, frankly. Um, yeah. Because the gimmick with the weapons in the show is they're all like powered by steam kind of because a normal gun yep. or whatever won't pierce the chest of of a zombie so they use steam engines to like or steam generators to kind of give this little extra oomph so was it the bazooka <laughs> with the fucking 15 <laughs> homeboy, homeboy rips rips the pulls the ripcord and like 15 of these fire off to power the bazooka i was like it's the little things <laughs> steam powered bazooka just, why not just just the little things it's it's really the thing that set the show apart was the world it's set in and the sort of production design the aesthetic for lack of a better term like it's beautiful it's a beautiful show it is and um and there were some moments jarring in between where they used 3d animation mm. and hand-drawn um but nothing that like really pulls you out um the other thing is and this is the only good reason for splitting it into three jordan hmm that fucking intro. I forgot until I watched the first episode and didn't click past the intro and was like, oh, it's like, oh, it, I can't remember this intro. Is it? Is it like a nut, like one of those anime intros where it's like not, you know, it's just some lady singing and it doesn't really make any sense. No, no. It is the best fucking intro. You just want to punch someone in the face by the end of it. It's, it's that last bit before it shows like Japan on fire where it's just like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, it's the pizza analogy, right? Like, it's like, there ain't no bad pizza. Like, there ain't no bad cabinary. Like, 
there's yeah. there's better cabinary, but bad cabinary is still better than a lot of it's better than the fucking quintessential quintuplets or whatever the hell else you could be watching out there. Yeah. And the movie, I can't believe it's not it it like really My Hero Academia over cabinary. I just don't understand it. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's probably because it's not based on anything. There's no manga to promote with it, you know? Like, I think it's just because it was one of these kind of, like, art-for-art-sake kind of anime properties. Um, The rumor was always that the studio did it while they were waiting for more Attack on Titan manga so they could do the next season of Attack on Titan. And (laughs) Attack on Titan's over now, so... So fucking, just fucking get listen back, to this podcast get back and give to us it. some more cabinary. Get back to yeah. it. Um, I think it did well enough overseas and here, frankly, to uh, to justify more seasons. But hopefully we will get that. Friends, the movie is on Netflix. The series is on a Crunchyroll. And, and on Amazon. Is it on Amazon? It's on Amazon Prime. Interesting. Maybe it always was on Amazon. Maybe I'm mistaking that. You know what? You are correct because that was the kerfuff. <laughs> no, you're right because that was the kerfuff because this was when Amazon was like buying exclusive anime rights and people were like, another streaming service? Um, you know, that that old chestnut. The, okay. the weebs were pissed about uh, Amazon hoarding certain anime that they wanted to watch. But yes, that is on Prime. The movie is on Netflix. Watch it however you can. It's just a fantastic show and you should all have it in your life. The end. Agreed. <laughs> the end. The end. Friends, we'll tip you off because give you time to catch up because we think you should. We only just talked about it. We definitely talked about it sooner than we talked about Cabinary. But if you think we do not want an excuse to continue watching Warrior, you are mistaken. You're, you're, you're wrong. I'm already into season two. We're going to give Kate a chance to catch up, give her a reason to carve out the time to watch some more Warrior. And, uh, sorry, David Suchet. <laughs> Spoilers for next week's episode. Oh, it's fucking great. And if you just want to hear us talk about how great warrior continues to be and how you should all be watching it and getting caught up before uh, the third season comes, come back next week. Yeah. Friends, let us know all, any of your thoughts about any of the things we talked about today on twitter.com slash geekdownpod. Otherwise, we will be back with you next week. We thank you so much for spending an hour of your week with us during these uncertain times. It truly means the world to us. My name is Jordan Ferguson. My name is Caitlin McKinnon. The theme song is by Rob Gasser. And I hope you will join us next week for another fantastic episode of the Geekdown Podcast. All right, so this is Caitlin McKinnon, who previously said off mic that she believes that music from the 90s is not that great. Yeah, now, just so there's some context, I was a, I grew up in the 90s. I did the majority of my growing up in the 90s um, and my childhood. And I, like, at the time, adored music from the 90s. And there are still some songs i'm like this is great bangers but by and large even the stuff i listen to from the 90s i'm like yeah i can take a pass on that I'd rather not listen to it so i thought for curiosity's sake given that uh one of my favorite shows right now is uh the ringers 60 songs that explain the 90s we would do a quick round of uh smasher trash with caitlin mckinnon on the selections that have thus far been chosen for 60 songs that explain the 90s caitlin do not think about this okay just impulse 
You Ought to Know by Alanis Morissette. Smash. Hey Jealousy by the Jim Blossoms. Uh, trash. That hurts. Cream, <laughs> Cream by the Wu-Tang Clan. Smash. Don't, don't, don't pause. Don't do it for my benefit. Well, if, you think was, it's, if you think it's no, trash, it's then because tra- I, I want, in some cases I want to be like, eh, like, but see like that song I didn't listen to in the nineties. Mm. I listened to when I was older, like outside of the nineties. Right. So Fair that's enough. why as well. Next up the rain super duper fly by Missy Elliott. Um, trash. November rain by guns and roses. Smash. Mind Playing Tricks on Me by the Ghetto Boys. I don't know that song. All I Want for Christmas is You by Mariah Carey. Trash. Mayonnaise by the Smashing Pumpkins. Smash. I Want It That Way by the Backstreet Boys. Trash. Make Him Say Uh by Master P. Trash. Cannonball by the Breeders. Trash. Enter Sandman by Metallica. Trash. You Get What You Give by the New Radicals. Trash. <laughs> Gonna Make You Sweat by CNC Music Factory. Trash. Nothing But a G Thing by Dr. Dre. Trash. Just a Girl by No Doubt. Smash. No Scrubs by TLC. Ooh, smash. Hunger Strike by Temple of the Dog. Trash. Juicy by The Notorious B.I.G. Trash. Man, I Feel Like a Woman by Shania Twain. Trash. I thought it was trash at the time. I still think it's trash. <laughs> Stink Fist by Tool. Trash. Mm. Common People by Pulp. Smash. You got goddamn right. Dreaming, Dreaming of You by Selena. Oh, smash. I Got Five on It by The Loonies. Trash. Yes, podcast is over. Scenario by A Tribe Called Quest. Smash. Hyper Ballad by Bjork. Uh, smash. Crash Into Me by the Dave Matthews Band. Oh, it's a smash. <laughs> Reluctantly. <laughs> it is. I, anytime that song goes on, I'm like, I even, even, like, we used to, it was one of the songs that played at where we worked. Right. <laughs> and on a loop and I still really like that song. And most of the songs that play on played on a loop, I'm like, ugh, if it's on the radio, I'll skip it. But that one I also listen to. Home Stretch, Say It Ain't So by Weezer. Trash. I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Trash. Under the Bridge by the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Trash. Back That Ass Up by Juvenile. Smash. <laughs> Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor. Smash. Semi-Charmed Life by Third Eye Blind. Trash. And finally, The Boy Is Mine by Brandy and Monica. Oh, I haven't heard that song in ages, but Smash. I'm pretty sure I'd listen to it if it came on the radio. Only to sing along, though. Very controversial. Y'all are going to have opinions. Hope you listen to the end of the episode. Twitter.com slash at GeekDownPod. No, fuck that. Twitter.com slash at Katie Mac. You get at her. I have no, no. takes on this. Come for her ass. Hey, I'm not saying that these songs are, like, the worst ever. I just, if they're on the radio, I'm going to skip them. Your mama brought you up wrong. Skip. 